0: Great job on the violin there tonight, and uh, she's come a long way over the last, really the last year. She's really made a lot of strides there and uh, improving there, and it's a part, as a result of investment, all right, investment. She has invested in it herself, and people have invested in her. She's got lessons she takes from, I believe, Becky, and uh, and she's really improved because of investment, and that's what tonight is about. Second Timothy chapter 2. In verse number 2, would you turn there tonight? We, I know we do, we do these four times a year, and uh, you're familiar with the, the format and how this is going to go. We're going to have Isaac and Josh. Um, if you would go and come on up, and you can take a seat up there. They're going to be our preachers for this evening. But I'm going to preface tonight with just giving a, a little deeper understanding about these 2 Timothy 2-2 nights and why we do them. And, uh, and so 2 Timothy chapter 2, in uh, verse number 2, 2 Timothy 2-2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. Speaking to the church, all right? um, Speaking to uh, a group of people. uh, Giving them instruction about how they're supposed to impact the next generation. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. The same commit thou to faithful men. The same commit thou to faithful men. And uh, and I want to just uh, take that word tonight, and I want to evaluate that word commit. As we kick this off tonight, what are we committing? Uh, really what this means here, to commit, is to deposit into. And that's what we're looking at tonight. We're looking at uh, some young people. You've seen them take the offering. I hope they didn't take out of the offering. I hope you kept an eye on them there. We've got some... They look like felons anyway. I don't know. Maybe they could have been snatching some out of there. They're always... Complaining about being poor, it's amazing, but they have money for food, I'll tell you that right now. They've always got money for food. But um, the same commit thou to faithful men. Depositing into another person's life. And that's really what this, this process is about. A group of people who say, you know what? We need to invest into the future so that the cause of Christ continues on. We need to deposit. That means, one, that means a couple things. First of all, you're going to have to take something of yourself and be willing to give it. You're going to have to make some personal sacrifices in some cases. You're going to have to be inconvenienced. If we're going to... Uh, move the cause of Christ forward and as we invest in young people and and new Christians it takes some personal investment from us and this is really this is where the process ends before it even begins is a lot of times we're not willing to take that step of commitment to invest into the future to invest in the next generation making a deposit and second, the second part of this phrase here: the same, commit thou to faithful men. Hey, there does have to be a group of people who are worthwhile investing in. We shouldn't have to drag the the baby or the young Christians of our church. The, especially tonight, we emphasize the teenagers, but it applies across the whole uh, spectrum there of of young youth uh, in Christ or youthfulness in Christ we shouldn't have to drag them along by the collar there should be some commitment to it should be some faithfulness to it young people you ought to be faithful teenagers you ought to be faithful it ought to be something where the adults and the elder of the church look at the young people and and uh, and say hey this is worth my investment it's worth my investment because they're faithful they're faithful and uh, and so this process, it includes, and, and, and again, I'm just going to take a few moments. Normally at the end, I would wrap things up, but I wanted to set a preface tonight. would we'll just do it a little differently. Set a preface for what we're going through. We're going to hear preaching, and these are young men that have been, things have been committed to them, things have been deposited in their lives, and they're going to preach for us in just a few moments, but I want to help us to understand a little bit about what's going on here in this process. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same Commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also First of all, the committing takes place by the parents Committing to the faithful men takes place by the parents In Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 6 through 9 The Bible says in these words which I command to thee this day Shall be in thine heart And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand and thou shalt and they shall be frontlets uh, between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thine house and on thy gates. The instruction here is given about the Old Testament law, but uh, the, the principle, this certainly does not change. It's, things are to be committed to our young people, to the, to the ones who are growing up, the ones who are going to move the cause of Christ further. And first of all, it needs to come from parents. Parents, you need to commit. You need to deposit into your children something. You need to. And, and what we see here from this is it's 100% of the time thing. Parents are 100% of the time. When thou, The Bible says here, teach them diligently to thy children. Thou shalt talk with them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Is any time slot not covered? No. So parents are on duty 100% of the time with depositing into their children's lives. And so parents of young people, parents of grandchildren, spiritual parents, are you committing to your children whoever that may be your child may be a 40 year old man that you met on the street and you knocked on his door and led him to Christ but that's your child you may only be 20 and he's 40 but he's still your child what are you committing to him how are you committing to him how are you depositing in his life and uh, we've got to take this spirit, uh, this this principle. It's very important, but parents, it must begin and continue forever in the home. Hundred percent of the time, that slot is covered by parents committing to their children. Second of all, the slot is covered by the pastor. If you look in First Peter chapter five, or just listen, I want to move through this quickly. First Peter chapter five, one through four. And the elders, the pastor, which are among you, I exhort, whom also and elder, whom I'm also an elder, Peter speaking of himself, and witness of the sufferings of Christ and also partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight uh, oversight thereof. The pastor's given instruction, take oversight of the flock that is among you. This is a most of the time position. Now your pastor is always your pastor, but your pastor is not with you all the time. Young people, your pastor is not going to be with you all the time. Parents, you have 100% of the time position. Your pastor has a, a, a most of the time. And, and understand, he's your pastor all the time, but there are certain times that he has that influence over you. And so the pastor commits. But a lot of the times is not in the pastor willing to commit. It's in the receiving of it. It's in the receiving of it. Church and, and young people, are you receiving from your pastor? Are you faithful in this end? He is to take the oversight, the Bible says. Not of constraint. He's not forced to do it, but willingly. And we have that in our pastor, young people. You have that in your pastor. You've got to be willing to submit to his direction. You've got to be willing to say, yes, I'll follow your your leadership. And as he opens the counsel of the Word of God in church, as he opens the full counsel of the Word of God and presents it, it's got to be received because of the oversight, the responsibility that he has in our lives. We've got to be willing to follow that. So it comes from parents, the committing, the depositing, comes from parents, it comes from pastor, and then finally it comes from the parishioners. It comes from all of us. In Titus chapter two, one through five, it says, "But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, serious-minded, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, patience, that the aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine. That doesn't mean you can have a little bit either, Mrs. Ike, all right? No wine for you at all. All right? <laughs> She was dozing off on me. I had to get her awake. All right. Um, not false teachers, Not giving them much wine. Teachers of good things. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their hub- husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Hey, listen. The example has to come from us. From the church to young people. If our young people... And I want to present this challenge to the church tonight. If you had a mini-me, one of these young people started imitating your spiritual movements, what would that look like? How would that affect the, the house of God? How would that affect heaven? How would that affect a lost soul if they were imitating you? If for some reason they could see if for some reason they could see into your personal life and they imitated your devotional life, what would that look like? If for some reason they could see your habits, your personal habits, what would that look like? All right. So we, have got to, we've got to consider this. second Timothy chapter two, verse two, the Timothy is an acronym, an acronym we've turned into, uh, teens in ministry. And that's our young people serving tonight and, and serving in ministry, but really Uh, It's because people have deposited into their lives and I want to challenge us as a church to make sure that we are depositing into the young people the children All right, and I don't just mean teenagers. I want to be abundantly clear about that It could be a spiritual child All right, It, it could be many different things, but you've got to really 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 consider What kind of impact you're having? a lot of times we leave the responsibility on others Someone else, someone else is covering that. But what role are you covering? How are you depositing? What example do they have in you? Parents, it's 100% of the time. Pastors, a majority of the time. And, uh, and church members, it's, it's just a most of the time kind of thing too. You're not there all the time. They might only see you in church services on a Sunday or on a Wednesday. What are they catching from you? All right, so let's be depositing into spiritual children. And let's um, take it seriously. Let's not neglect it. Let's not place it off on somebody else or decline our part, our role. Let's make sure that we really commit to it. All right, so tonight, uh, we're going to move on to the next portion of our service as our young people come. And um, we've got uh, our special first. They're in the back, and they're going to come sing. And then we've got um, Isaac and uh, Josh are going to come. Yeah, guys, come on out. Um, and they're going to preach for us. Isaac is going to preach first, and then Josh will preach for us right after that. So I have a word of prayer as these guys come, and uh, and then uh, we'll hear the special and then the preaching. Father, we do thank you for this evening. Lord, we thank you for the time that we have together tonight. Uh, Lord, to uh, focus on your word, to glean from it. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would not... Uh, in a in our hearts despise the youthfulness that stands before us, Lord, that we would be willing to receive what you've laid on their hearts. Uh, Lord, I know that these young men have prepared. They've, they've shared with me things that the Lord has spoken to them about and what they're going to share tonight. And um, Lord, I've no doubt it'll be a blessing um, if we'll receive it as from you. And so, Lord, I pray that um, you would speak to all of our hearts tonight. Uh, be with these young people. Lord, may you calm their nerves and uh, help them to be able to deliver your message clearly. In Jesus' name we pray.
1: Secure from all alarms, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Pilgrim way, leaning on the. I to dread? What, what have I, I to fear? fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure.
2: If you have your Bibles, please turn to Acts 17. Acts 17.23. I'm going to be speaking on the subject of devotions. Acts 17.23. It says in Acts 17.23, For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. This word devotions we often report, or we would say to those in accountability or authority in our Christian lives that I have done my devotions. I have fulfilled my quota for the day or the week by doing this thing of reading our Bibles or praying as Christians, and we would say I have done my devotions. I can check that off the list. I have done my devotions. But what does devotions mean? We say absently-minded as, it, as it's a routine that we tend to do, that we were commanded to do, and we label it as this thing of devotions. What does the word devote mean? Well, devoted means from the Webster's 1828 Dictionary, dedicated, addicted, and consecrated. So now I want to ask you, how addicted have you been to Christ within the last few weeks? How consecrated, how dedicated have you been? If somebody is addicted to an entertainment or a show they really like, they'll make sure that they watch it. They'll record it. They'll stay up till eight to nine. They'll stay up even later to unhealthy hours of the night to make sure that they watch their show because they enjoy it. It pleases them. They're somewhat addicted to it. If I talk about it a lot throughout their day, hey, did you see the show last night? Oh, I mean, I can't believe what he said. That was great. They were addicted to it. I know a lot of the guys in the church watch sports. If you make time Just to watch the NFL game for the next Cleveland Browns game. If you keep checking the stats of the game in the Church of God, I dare to say you may be addicted. I mean, if 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 you can't live without knowing that, and you can say I I might not I can live without that, but if you still do it, you're addicted. And so what we need to do is we need to be more addicted to Christ than we are to the things of this world. Now these people of Athens. That's the city that Paul was at. These guys, they were addicted. They were addicted to idolatry. In verse 16, it says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. It wasn't just the elders of the village, of the city. It wasn't just the young children. It wasn't just the teenagers. The entire city gave themselves wholly. They were addicted. They were dedicated. They were faithful to something that wasn't even real, to something that did not matter, to something that was made up by them and they had to the description to the unknown god and they built they put their energy toward this they built up altars and they worship him and i can confidently say they were addicted but how addicted are we to christ how often do we wake up how often do we spend time in our bible how often do we witness how often do we just hand out a track how often do we talk to another christian and say how have your Devotions, has been? How have you been doing? How are we addicted to Christ? Do we talk about him? If we're addicted about sports, we'll talk about sports. If we're addicted about the show, we'll talk about the show. If we're addicted about Christ, we would be talking about Christ. But yet, more than half of the conversation in the Church of God is not about Christ. So why is that? We come here on behalf of him and we don't talk about him. We need to be addicted for Christ. But we can't do any of these things if we're not sanctified. To be set apart for a set purpose. In Joshua 3, 5 it says, And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. They were sanctified. They were ready for the battle. They said, We're going to take down this armed, walled city, and we need to be sanctified to do so, for the Lord to work in us. If you have your Bibles, turn to Second Chronicles twelve fourteen. Second Chronicles 12.14 in the Old Testament. Second Chronicles 12.14, I'll begin reading. And it says, And he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. This man is the king. His name is King Rehoboam. He is the son of King Solomon. And he's the grandson of King David. King David was the man after God's own heart. And Solomon was the wisest and richest king to ever set foot on the earth and this is from his lineage and it says and he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the lord he came from the best family that you can be in at that time he came from a great lineage he had a great history behind him of his ancestors doing great things for god and it says and he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the lord but why did he not prepare his heart what happened we see the aftermath of what has happened previously so turn your bibles just to verse 1 in the same chapter chapter 12 chapter 12 verse 1 It says and it came to pass when rehoboam had established the kingdom he had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself he forsook the law of the lord and all israel with him he strengthened himself he strengthened his kingdom these things aren't inherently bad he says my soldiers will have the finest weapons they'll have the finest armor they will be strong they will be ready to come and they'll be trained for whatever comes their way you know what, my fence cities, we're just going to give another plateau. We're going to have another tier. We're going to make him stronger. We're going to establish my kingdom. And he was doing all these things. He was so busy that he took his eyes off God and he did not take time to prepare his heart. As punishment, says in, the, in verse two, and it came to pass that in the fifth year of King Rehoboam, Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem because they had transgressed against the Lord. He was so caught up in what he was doing and what he was striving to do to make Israel a great nation. That's not a bad thing. It was like President Trump saying that we are going to make America fortified. We're going to make sure that it's well taken care of. We're going to make sure everything is set in place, and I'm confident he's doing that. But if he made it it public and he made it known and said, hey, we're going to establish this. I'm going to strengthen myself. I'm going to do whatever I can to make myself better. And then he does something terrible, some sin. That's what just happened. And it says that not only was it him, but all Israel with him. And it's safe to say that he was more addicted to what he was trying to do to make Israel a better nation, which isn't bad, but because he was addicted to something other than God, that's where he failed. And that's where he sinned. The issue is never about how sinful the thing we're doing is about how addicted it is. Now, obviously if you were to do some ter- like a, a sin that god says obviously is an abomination you know it's a sin but how addicted are you to everyday things such as your phone your entertainment just things we have in america you can be addicted to food and that could still be above god so how addicted are you if we are not addicted to god properly you cannot personally grow in your devotions and you cannot devote yourself to god as he wants you to and you can't be happy as a Christian in your walk with God. So devote yourself and take time to prepare yourself. And if you are addicted, pray about it. Ask God for help, and he will help you.
1: Good evening. So the title of my message tonight is, I have been blessed and with the holiday seasons coming up, I thought it would be fitting to do a message about God's many blessings and just being more thankful. So if you could take your Bibles to Psalm chapter 119, verse 105. Psalm one hundred nineteen, one hundred five. And you know, there are so many things that we easily overlook that God's given us, and I'd like to look at a few of those things. And the first thing tonight that we'll look at is God's word. And I'll begin reading Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The Bible here is saying is a light, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It is our guideline to live. And without the Bible, we wouldn't know how to live and we wouldn't have a purpose to live because we wouldn't know. So God's given us the Bible and it's so easy for us as Americans to read the Bible It's right at our fingertips. I could pull it up on my phone if I wanted to read the Bible right now. On a computer, you could go to almost any bookstore and buy a Bible. Where in some countries, they're not allowed to read the Bible. Or in some languages, it's not um, in that language for them to be able to read. So God's given us the Bible. And I believe if we were truly grateful and realized what a blessing it was, we would read it more because we would realize how much god has given us in the bible so first point is the bible and second is freedom to serve if you could take your bibles to second corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and I'll begin reading in verse 24. This is the Apostle Paul speaking, and he says in verse 24 of chapter 11, Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. I think we get the point. The Apostle Paul has been through a lot for the cause of Christ, and if there was a reason not to serve the Lord, I think the Apostle Paul gave one, and we don't have to worry about that. We can go and knock on people's doors and share the gospel that's kind of crazy if you think about it because you're walking on their property and you just go and then you're allowed to share the gospel with them so we see that we get to serve and you know the more you serve the more you'll be blessed and I think people misunderstand that the people that sit around and go Oh, I don't really see God working or where's where's this happening? Where's he moving? Those are I think we could have a bunch of bus workers tes- testify that if you're in the bus ministry and when you see more bus kids come and you see kids getting saved, it's a blessing to serve. So, we see the opportunity to serve. Third is God's provision. If you could take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12 verse 48. Here in the U.S., we have an overabundance of wealth and opportunity to do things for Christ. I think of just technology. We're able to contact people with our phones and reach out to them so easily. And then think of cars. Let me ask you a question. If your car broke down on the way to church, did you make it to church? Probably not. You're probably not going to walk the rest of the way. We see God's giving us all this stuff. And then he's given us homes, clothing, education, which leads to jobs, and and food. (laughs) And looking across the auditorium, it's pretty apparent that none of us are lacking food. (laughs) Sorry about that. I just had to throw that out there. Back to our passage of scripture. (laughs) Luke chapter 12, verse 48. It says... But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. God's given us so much. And according to the verse, because we've been giving so much, God expects much from us. And he should. We've been giving so many opportunities to serve the Lord. And then my fourth point is family and friends. Two Thanksgivings ago, me and my family were in a pretty bad accident, and we were on a country road, and whenever you're going above 50 miles per hour, it's kind of serious, so I was more grateful that Thanksgiving than I've ever been for my family and friends, and it reminded me that God can take people away from us. I think of Job, let me turn there really fast, Job, after he lost all his family and all his belongings, it says, in verse verse 20 of chapter 1, it says, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshiped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, Job understood that people are a gift from God. And that he can take them away because we all belong to Jesus Christ, right? I would like everybody to look around the auditorium. Look at all your family, your parents, your friends, and all these people that have impacted your life. Would you be able to do what Job did if they were taken away? Would you be able to thank God for how great he is still? And when's the last time you've thanked God for those people that he's placed in your life and what a blessing they are to you? Um, and my last point is in Isaiah three five. if you could turn there. Isaiah 53.5. My last blessing that we overlook is the cross. It says in Isaiah 53.5, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Everything Jesus Christ went through for our sake on the cross, getting, getting whipped, getting beaten, getting nailed to the tree and hanging there, that should bother you. It should really speak to you and make you grateful for what Jesus Christ did for you. And when's the last time we really sat back and meditated on what Jesus Christ did for us? Not just thinking about communion. I know that's a specific time for that, but just at home taking some time out of the day. Praise and thank God for saving a wretched sinner like myself and yourself. Um, my last thing I'd like to say, I heard this quote. What if you woke up today with only the things that you thank God for yesterday? I'll say it again. What if you woke up today with only the things that you thank God for yesterday? We've been given so much, and I wonder if, if that statement were true, How poor would we be, and how little would we have? With the holiday season coming up, I truly hope that we'll all be more thankful than we've ever been in our entire lives.
0: Amen. Some good thoughts there. Really good thoughts. And um, would you look at Galatians chapter 1 and uh, verse number 10? Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 10. As we think about these things that were presented tonight... Uh, verse popped into my mind as I was sitting there, a common verse. We've heard it preached on before. Many of us may know it by heart, certainly familiar with the the passage here. Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 10. For do I now persuade men or God? And I wonder tonight if we look at that, just that simple phrase right there, without even getting into the context of it, and we think about our thankfulness and our devotion. Let's just focus on those two things that were presented to us this evening. Do I now seek to persuade men or God? Is our thankfulness only simply demonstrated for those that are around us? For the the simple point of, you know, as a father, maybe my children showing to them, hey, you ought to be thankful. And so I I put on the, the air of thankfulness so that they follow that. Who do I seek to persuade? when it comes to my devotion my, my commitment to the cause of Christ and my, my willingness to serve and, and these, these different ideas that uh, he talked about they're being addicted we know that there were men in the word of God who were addicted to the ministry but is that simply put on as, a, as, a, as an error it's a, it's a facade it's something we put on for persuasion of men because we can sit in an auditorium and when somebody presents the idea on thankfulness, and let's, let's really be honest, uh, we could all be more thankful. And that's why that phrase, that quote that he presented at the end, hits so far home in every single one of our hearts and our lives. Because we were not as thankful yesterday as we should have been. It cuts deep. And we, but we'll sit and we'll say amen and we'll teach our children about, about thankfulness. But do I seek to persuade men or do I seek to persuade God? Does God know of a thankful heart in me? Is my testimony before him? Is my conversation in heaven? Stephen Cavanaugh is a thankful person. My devotion. Our service. If we're not careful... Uh, the clothing that we put on to attend church and the the ministries we involve ourselves in and all of these things can simply become a performance in persuasion of men. The next chapter over in Galatians chapter 3, the first verse there, says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? I think the church is bewitched far too often. We're bewitched with our own infamy. We're bewitched by our pride. We're bewitched by uh, our influence. We're bewitched by our positions. And in context, the bewitching there was talking about uh, justification by faith and they were trying to add works to their salvation but uh, we can often do a very similar thing. We, we know we're not being saved by our works but we can certainly put on a performance as though our salvation depended on it. For do I now seek to persuade men or God? Your devotion you know, there's the funny thing about addiction is that it's coupled with withdrawals. That's a good indicator that you're addicted to something. You ever had withdrawals from the ministry? I'm not saying you took a step back and said, I'm done with this. No, we shouldn't have those kind of withdrawals. I'm talking about you had the cold sweats and couldn't sleep and were shaking and jittering and, and had to have it. You needed to be a part of it. You, I can't live without this. That's a, that's a side effect of addiction, is it not? Withdrawals? It might be a good indicator of whether or not we've ever been addicted to something. Where our devotion level truly is at. I think that these thoughts are tremendous and, and certainly convicting to me. But as with anything in the Christian life, it's got to transcend. Late from pew and Holy Spirit conviction to daily light, Christian living modification, something's got to happen between the point of visiting an altar tonight and tomorrow morning. Something's got to happen. Something's got to change. Something has to be modified. And uh, and it's really not as complicated often as we make it. If you'll just do the simple well as the theme of the church is this year. If you'll get up and walk with God. The apostles echoing or in conversation one with another as Jesus res- resurrected and was now in his his uh, heavenly, he was in a heavenly form. He was in an angelic form. And they didn't recognize him, but they knew that our hearts burned within us while he walked with us in the way. It's just the simple. Do the simple. Walk with God. The closer you get to God, the more thankful you're going to be. The more addicted you'll become. The more devoted for his cause. But challenge yourself with that question. Do I now seek to persuade men or God? Persuade men or God. Would you stand with me this evening? We heard some tremendous thoughts, thankfulness, devotion, dedication, the, these principles that are uh, outlined here. What did the Lord speak to you about? And if he spoke to you, would you be willing to come speak to him about that? The heads bowed, eyes closed, as the piano begins to play, invitation has already begun, people are already making the way forward. What about it? That, that phrase, is it, it really does hit home. What would you have today if you only had what you were thankful for yesterday?